Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Last week, we began to look at Outrage, a film released in 2010. It is an unflinching portrayal of the violent and gruesome acts that take place in and around Yakuza, the most influential, the most enigmatic, and the most powerful crime organization in Japan by far. There are a lot of mysteries in culture and history that revolves around yakuza and how they behave and the code that they believe in, which we introduce in the first episode of this mini series. In the last episode, which is part two in this mini series, we went through the plot of the first half of the movie. And for those of you who haven't listened, here is a quick recap. The film starts with a meeting organized by Sekuichi, the grand leader of the yakuza, for the one who oversees all the branches and all the sub gangs in Japan. The film starts with him having a dinner with all the underbosses, who in turn oversee their own turfs and districts. At the end of the dinner, the grand leader talks to one of the sub bosses, and his name is Ikimoto. And tells him that he needs to distance himself from a guy that he's been dealing with. The other guy's name is Murase, and the reason why Ikimoto is dealing with Murase is that the two were in jail at one point in their life, and they made what is called later on as a brotherly pact, a deal that both of them are expected to follow through once they are released from jail. And at this point in the film, both do. But Ikimoto is ordered by his boss to distance himself from Murase, who is not part of the Grand Yakuza gang. Although Ikimoto certainly does not feel like betraying his sworn brother, he has no choice because Yakuza, like many Japanese companies, which we explained in the last episode, the members follow a very strict code of conduct in which it is simply impossible. Uh, to disobey orders from your elderly or people who are more higher up in ranks. So, being given this order, Ikimoto moves forward and orders Otomo, a, another gang and family that is associated with his gang, to start a little gang war with Murase. The film then progresses into a series of very violent and bloody setup and confrontations, where members of the Otomo gang gets into it with members of the Murase gang. While all this is ongoing, Murase, the leader of the gang, holds several meetings with Ikimoto in hopes to smooth things over and to call it a truce. Because Murase himself is this very honorable, straightforward, and open、uh, leader of the gang, he believes in the older traditions and code of honor in the yakuza, which has this history that dates back all the way to the samurais and shogun days. In those days, the samurais, which are the warriors and basically bodyguards, their entire mission is to protect the warlords. So. Well, for Murase, following orders and following a certain hierarchy is something that he never doubts. He doesn't seem to realize that everyone has been trying to setting him up 
and no one follows that code of honor anymore. He constantly tried to convince Ikimoto that he has no intention of starting a gang war, that he doesn't want to start a conflict. But while Ikimoto plays this dumb, nice guy on the surface of it, behind the scenes, he's been doing two things. He's been ordering his muscle, the Ultimo gang, to start one round of gang war after another, to rough up and to even kill some of the members of Murase, and to even mess with his business on his turf. On the other side, Ikimoto is also playing dumb and badmouths Murase in front of the Grand Yakuza leader, constantly telling the leader that he's not willing to cough up his part of the cash and that he's not willing to play ball or to fall in line. So intentionally, he has created this rift between Murase, a gang outside the Yakuza who's desperately trying to get in and fit in, and the Grand Leader, who is having a worse and worse impression of Murase. So eventually, while Murase is constantly trying to step back, several of his gang members are killed in a very, very brutal manner. As the violence keep on escalating, Murase eventually is not in a position to save himself. In what I consider one of the most gruesome scenes that I've ever witnessed on a big screen, or in this case, on a television screen, Murase was roughed up in a really bad way. He was having a teeth operation of some sort, while the members of the Otomo budged in the door and... Let's just say Ultimo messed up the operation, and, and I'm going to leave out all the details because I could barely think straight when I think about it. That's how gruesome that is. So after the incident, Murase could no longer speak, and it is at this moment that Ikimoto finally brings him in to meet the Grand Yakuza leader. This is a rather scammy move on Ikimoto's part because he knows that Murase just can't speak at this point and that he pretends to be Murase's good friend and tells the Grand Yakuza leader that at this point Murase is willing to give up his turf and the benefit of all the drug dealing um, that's been going on on his turf. So Murase, a 70-something-year-old, old-fashioned Yakuza gang boss, has been pushed to the corner and marginalized, and he's been forced into retirement. Now, he has been severely injured, and he has no say in the matter anymore, yet he knows that. But as the film progresses, we see that several of Murase's younger underbosses and gang members do not accept his fate, because they understand that their boss and themselves have been roughed up, and their turf have essentially been taken for nothing. So they try to retaliate, and what awaits them are really gruesome fates as well. Uh, Murase's remaining gang members are either shot dead, stabbed, or killed in other fashions. However, the killing doesn't really stop here. I don't think the movie would be called Outrage if it is simply a bunch of gangsters plotting against one another. I mean, it is, but the killing continues. Otomo, who has been doing all the dirty work for Ikimoto, just can't stand his gang members risking their lives and getting all the blame and a bad reputation anymore. And in one incident, one of Otomo's gang members ends Ikimoto's life. Kato, the man whose position is second only to the Grand Yakuza leader, has been witnessing all this, and he knows that this all happened for a reason, because there is a power shift that's ongoing between the underbosses, and he's done nothing but to throw even more fuel to the fire. 
So after Otomo kills his associate Ikimoto, he orders one of Otomo's good friends to end all the lives of the Otomo gang. And what ensues is a series of brutal killings. I know this almost sounds like a broken record at this point, but you got to understand just the severity of the whole thing. Because, because on the surface, every underboss is super respectful of one another when they meet or when they meet with the Grand Yakuza boss. They seem to uphold and respect this ongoing hierarchy that has been the underpinning of the Yakuza gang for years, decades, and even centuries. However, behind the back, the only thing they seek to chase after and to achieve is to have more power in their control. And that means killing other gang members, that means robbing and stealing and even taking over their turfs. So... Well, honest people like Murase is maimed and forced into retirement, the ending for Otomo, the muscle of the former Ikimoto gang, really wasn't better neither. After he has done all the dirty work, Kato, the one under the Grand Yakuza boss, has ordered other Yakuza members to massacre the entire Otomo gang because he knows that Otomo, who has done so much of the work behind the scene, also knows a lot about the inner working at a very, very high level, and he simply can't have or trust someone like that. So after risking their lives for their bosses, members of the Otomo gang is finished off one after another. And by finished off, I mean killed in very, very gruesome manner. One is shot, another one is stabbed, Another one is strapped to his car while somebody leaves the car running all the way to the coast. And the result is... Again, I'm not going to get into details. The head of the gang, Otomo himself, is eventually spared and thrown into prison. But towards the end of the movie, somebody uses a shiv or a makeshift knife to stab him repeatedly in the back. And Otomo gets into a bloody fight to ensure his own survival. The film ends right here at this moment abruptly, and we don't know whether Otomo survives. What we do know is that Kato has assassinated the Grand Yakuza boss and has taken over his position as the new leader of the entire gang. So in a way, the story of this film is a very delicate piece of contradiction. On the surface of it, everyone is dressed in a very fashionable and presentable way, and everyone follows a certain sense of order and respect towards others. In the first 10 minutes, it seems like the entire Yakuza gang functions really well like this well-oiled, well-organized machine. But the director soon pushes us to behind the curtain and let us see the real working behind the gang. And the truth is rather ugly and shocking which is every gang member in every moment they have is trying to undermine and even kill others to gain more power. And the results can often be very, very bloody and unsightly. So outrage is a direct challenge to the many traditions and cultures that we've come to believe that is associated with the Yakuza. Well, on the surface of it, members of the Yakuza gang who make appearances in this film do still follow that culture, we can see that down to their core, they are all tainted and attracted by greed and power much more than anything else. I hope the bloody and gory details haven't put you off of this movie because... 
besides all the stories, it is certainly a very beautifully shot and well-crafted piece of cinema, with no doubt. In the following episode, we'll conclude this miniseries and we'll get into the reasons why this film is culturally significant on many levels. Thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you next week.